the fire. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. Good to be with you all today. Thanks for joining us, uh, Marie. It is always a pleasure to be here with you talking about things that really matter. Yes. I mean, we're going to be talking about things in the news. We're going to be talking about relationships, uh, society, and how our Christian faith kind of responds to these things. I think today, the topic we've chosen today, responding to the challenges of political correctness with the power of God's Word and God's love, is it's so timely. Uh, we were just on a trip, right? And you, you were talking about the news and how it just... It just seemed like uh, this cancel culture, this political correctness was all over the place. Talk about that a little bit. Well, right. I mean, it's dictating not only how we behave and the places we can go and the distance that we must uh, have between people, but also how we speak and topics we're uh, allowed to talk about and our personal opinions on them. We can't comment. I believe we're very much restricted to what we are allowed to say without, you know, being judged or canceled. Isn't that amazing, too? Because, you know, there are some times in, the, in your life where truth hurts. Uh, and Absolutely. You don't necessarily even like someone to tell it to you. But then later on, you look back and say, man, I'm so glad that person, and especially if they cared, I'm so glad that person shared that with me. And you get to a point where you realize, how good can this be if, if people are saying, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this, but then they can tell you, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's, it's, it's shocking to me, uh, especially when you see all the vulgarity and all the other things that are allowed mm-hmm. to be said. And then you're talking about some of these things that are actually moral, ethical, some things that we always used to hold, take for granted that you could say because they were part of growing up or part of being disciplined properly or something like that. And now you can't even talk about these issues. Wow, right. where do you think all this came from? I mean, you know, you know human behavior. I mean, that's your thing, and you mm-hmm. understand how folks do that. How did we get to a point where it, it seems to me almost like, um, you know, remember when children are growing up and they say, you know, they don't like what their mom and dad are saying to them. Well, that's one thing, but when they can say, you're not going to say that to me. Mm-hmm. And, or they threaten uh, them because they'll right. say, we're going to call Child Protective <laughs> we, Services well, and, we, and report you for something. And, and Well, that's they, happening yeah. today, too. But <laughs> how, how did we get to this point where we see roving bands of, of even young people uh, canceling uh, folks? Where, where is this coming from? Well, there's a lot of uh, that goes into that. That's we have to do several different shows in order to to address okay. that. But okay. really, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, there's so many. Uh, it's been happening for generations. I mean, technology uh, has a lot to do with it. The the way that we earn money today, um, you know, the family structure has broken down tremendously. It's it's uh, reorganized. The definition of family has changed. There's all kinds of things that go into that, but. The movement that we're seeing right now that's happening, uh, uh, particularly with the young folks, is um, one that, you know, it's really based on status, a social status, okay. and on um, power. 
And, you know, when you think about how do you achieve social status and how do you achieve power, it usually has to do with something, you know, you've created, something you've produced. And that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of risk. It's much better to sit and point out the um, errors of somebody else or some group, the immorality, the impropriety of somebody in some group, because then you automatically climb the social ladder. You, right. you become empowered. Um, because you you look like you're the moral doctor of every of everybody, you know, and then you get this powerful uh, group of people behind you that is powerful because of its numbers. There's no risk in taking down somebody else, and yeah. it's an easy climb to the top. You know what you just said too. A lot of times people talk about our economics or things like that, but in our culture, you have to produce something that someone else needs right. at a cost that they actually want want to pay for that. And and so you're always thinking, how can I bless? How can I bless? How can I bless? So if you're earning your status because of merit, mm-hmm. there's a lot of work there. There's you a really lot have of to work. Care, you have to actually care about what other people need. And there's a need. lot of sacrifice. Correct. Yeah. To bring, and, and I'm not just talking about bringing things to market. I'm even talking about how you live and love and care for people. Mm-hmm. And you're right. If you join a group and you suddenly get status just because you have the ability uh, to silence folks, wow, these are, it seems like there are two movements going on in our culture right mm-hmm. now and they're kind of at war with each other. And it really, that's really true because if you fight back, if mm-hmm. you even question it, then you are part of that other group. You're part of the out group. And then you By become definition. A t- correct. You become a target. See, that's one of the reasons that this cancer, cancel culture is a cancer. That's a Freudian <laughs> well. slip. And it really is kind of a cancer culture. Yeah. <laughs> but the cancel culture has moved so quickly is because we, as social, we are social creatures, by right. and large. We like to be part of something grand. And as long as we're being... Uh, part of a group, we can, we have no accountability or personal responsibility. We're just Mm. moving along as a group. Isn't that interesting, too, because uh, when I talk to a lot of people, they talk about, you know, individualism is so destructive. And, and when, when you talk about in selfish individualism, I agree with that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the answer is not collectivism, which is just I lose my identity and whatever the group decides we now, you know, do. Um, actually, individual responsibility and individual accountability, accountability lived yeah. out, you know, for your family and for your neighbor. That was the unique uniqueness, or that was the blessing of this culture, but that's also the blessing of the Christian worldview. And and uh, that means you got to take personal responsibility for who you are. You can't let the group do that for you, and you can't let the group power uh, identify you. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was but called But that's tri- interesting yeah. you say that, because we do tend to group people together. Right. We do tend to do that. And so whenever you say, uh, you know, uh, personal responsibility versus collective responsibility, right, mm-hmm. the, the collective... You know, when we think about outcome, the way we behave, the way we perform, we should think of that in terms of individual, individual, uh, me as an individual. The outcome, well, like like you said earlier, what we produce, who is it helping? Is it helping a a great number of people? Right now, we're thinking everything right now in terms of groups. Everything is in terms of groups. I love how you just said that. I really love how you said that because the Christian worldview is that your identity is an individual thing because God loves you as an individual and he gives you your sense of identity because he created you and he redeemed you. So we find our identity in Christ, but our activity 
And in fact, Luther actually rediscovered this. Our good works are not meant for us. Our good works are meant for our neighbor. We don't even have to prove to God how much uh, we love him because he's already done everything we need for that relationship. So he says, use the good works. Right. And if you're in a group, you're not exercising the gifts that God has put into you. You're not strengthening those gifts. You're blindly just being led. And you're not, yeah, so a healthy understanding of who you are as an individual before God, Mm -hmm. and then a healthy understanding of what your works and abilities are for, for neighbor, to glorify God. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we could push back on this, but that's for the next segment. We're still talking about, you know, where did this come from? You know, I was shocked, um, you know, in in the work I do um, in in Washington, D.C., and the work I've done as a pastor, too, when did things like uh, the institution of marriage become a dirty word? You know, when did when did things like um, virtuous living become hate, kind of hateful speech? Because, you know, virtuous living means you have to say no to some things. Mm-hmm. You have to say yes to other things. That's right. And somehow the word no in any shape or way, shape or form now is is considered hateful. Mm-hmm. And you hear this, you hear this all the time. Don't be a hater. Don't do that to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, what did I just say? I, I was just saying something that my grandmother, my mom, or the scripture, or, the, or my dad said to us before, and it was right. It was right. Where, where, did, this, where did this go? Mm-hmm. So we're dealing with some spiritual problems too, but it seems like there's, uh, I think we're struggling with a secular uh, kind of movement that wants all the blessings that come from an, a proper understanding of who God is and who we are and all those things, wants all those blessings, but it doesn't want any of the accountability. Mm-hmm. Not just to society, but accountability to God himself. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I think that's true. And I think the disciplines that come with that, because you do have certain disciplines whenever you are a follower of Christ. And you do have certain, uh, you know, moral accountabilities are in, within your heart. And if you, you know, walk outside of that, speak outside of that, I mean, you're, you will feel convicted. Right. Um that's not a good thing, to, and that doesn't feel good, does it? No, and you know, I think that's one of the reasons why Christians have a hard time speaking against this stuff, because we're just as convicted by these truths as those we're speaking to. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because I've, I've really struggled with that, too. It's one thing to talk about Jesus and grace, mm-hmm. because then you can say, ah, oh, you know, Christ blesses us with the grace that only Christ can give us. But then to go say, well, God orders the world morally this way and calls us to repentance mm-hmm. through these truths, uh, we have a hard time doing that because we're just as convicted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, is there, maybe that's one of the reasons why it's better to be a part of the group that's canceling everybody then, mm-hmm. you know, because to stand sure. against that group with, a te- you know, teaching of God is And also, tough. well, whenever you are a part of these groups, okay, you hear this sentence a lot. My truth, speak my truth, okay. my truth. What the thing is, is that, so there is nothing that is really true except what you feel, Right. right, whatever it is that you think and feel. And there is nothing that you can base. Nobody counters it because that's your truth. I wonder, I wonder how can you be a part of a group if your truth is the only truth? <laughs> I mean, seriously, have you ever thought about that? How <laughs> no, in the world true. can we have a group? Because you hear that all the no time. There's no way that everybody says, you know, I have a truth. and Because nobody shares truth anymore, supposedly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all my experience. It's who suffers the most. <laughs> well, okay. So that, now we're, now someone's redefined that. I, I think there's uh, some secular Marxist group there that has redefined the, those truths. But no, I, I, that's what I struggle with because there's got to be higher 
you know, when we talk about God being above in the moral truths of Scripture, I loved how C.S. Lewis said it. He said, you can't have a new fundamental moral uh, in the world any more than you can have a new fundamental color mm-hmm. in the world, because God created and mm-hmm. ordered the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we're rebelling against that. No. Oh. That's always been true, though, hasn't it? And I think a lot of people today think, well, because we have such money, technology, and all these things, Mm -hmm. we can now solve it in a way that somehow means God is no longer a necessary part of that. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's where we're at with this. Um, We're educating God out of our lives, and we're, we're setting him aside, and I think to our peril. Absolutely. And you can also see why it's so easy for the younger generation to cancel out older generation that still holds on to all these ideals. Mm-hmm. Because we are, you know, we're just blights in, what, in the way of what they're wanting to achieve. And we, we're constant reminders that of just being disagree, you know, they just disagree with us. If you think about it, uh, they're taught, or all, you know, in school, if they do go to school, that you know, they have now opinion papers, right? And it's not necessarily based on what their understanding is of the subject. So we just footnote ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's about right. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you feel? It's about right. Know. Yeah, feelings are very important. And then when they get out, they're making lots more money than their parents or grandparents mm-hmm. made, and they're told that they know more. Well, you know, we always talk about that, too. Obviously, God gives us all unique gifts and abilities, brings us... Uh, brings our lives to fruition at the time that we get to live. But there is this notion that just because I'm living today, it's much better than it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And there are certain certain truths that endure yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the challenge. I think progressivism, as we hear it today, is this notion that we are better. You Mm -hmm. know, it's it's undergirded by that kind of secular And there are some areas where that is true. Well, yeah, but then you talk about what does it mean to be a person? What does it mean to be a kind person, a merciful person? Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we're that much better. That's right. And sometimes our technology has made us a lot worse. Absolutely. Um, Relations have really suffered greatly. Well, we haven't even talked about how technology is being used to cancel people. Uh You know, we were told that TV was going to be this brilliant box that taught us all these wonderful things. And now we have the iPhone. And in reality, it's being used more and more to silence Uh or to confuse. And that's another show. Uh Uh, But again, you know, where did all this come from? The scripture says we're sinful people. That's where it came from. And that's why. And the social media is so uh, it's so easy to to target tarnish someone's reputation, to tarnish groups, to silence groups. Um, it's it's very easy because you're behind a screen. Nobody sees who you are. Uh, it's interesting, too. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but maybe Google, some of the leaders of some of these movements, they've taken on new names so that they sound hmm. more intimidating. No, they've changed their names. I didn't know this. Oh, yes. And I, I, I kind of thought whether I wanted to name some of them, but I, I think I'll just let the Uh, listeners Google and see because they'll find it very interesting to see how these people have changed their names to kind of almost sound like they're parts of a video game or something. (laughs) It's kind of humorous, actually, when you when you when you think about it, because they kind of try to take on a different persona. So that and it's interesting because the leaders are actually doing it for individual purposes, actually, they're not really interested in getting the the movement itself to be moving uh, it forward. Moving positive. it forward, really, yeah. it's about boosting themselves because they have all these people behind them. Well, that's kind. Of, you know, the one thing we can say is that we are in this time and place. There is a kind of move uh, cancel culture. There is a PC culture that's uh, among us. It's at the universities. It's now spilling over into our culture, and we are going to have to deal with that. And we've learned right off the bat. Let's let's 
get our personal identity established with our Lord and Savior Jesus, and then let's see what He can do with us. And in the second segment, we're going to talk about those solutions. But before I do that, I want to share with some those of you who are listening in right now, I have a new book out. It's called Resurrection Freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's power to face life's challenges, and it, I, it's it's more of a devotional book. It's it's more of an empowering book. It, it's not dealing with uh, the politics or any of these kind of things. Although there's anecdotal stuff like it's that. It's an easy there. read too. It's, it's about a, forty pages. Forty pages, easy read, and I think it'll be a real blessing to you. If you'd like to pick up a copy of that, you can go to familyvisionmedia.org familyvisionmedia.org and pick it up there. I do think it'll be a real blessing to you because we've got to immerse ourselves in the things of God if we're going to be useful in his hands and the culture needs us. I mean, we're not we're supposed to be salt and light. We're not just supposed to uh, have our relationship with God secure and then just kind of bump through life until he calls us home. We're supposed to be useful in his hands, and we're going to talk about that. So let's uh, talk a little bit more about these solutions, uh, the solutions that that I think are out there. You know, it's interesting, too. God gives us a lot of tools to use. Obviously, the Word of God, we're going to talk about that, but also in your work, when you counsel people and when mm-hmm. you coach people and things mm-hmm. like that, and, and giving them a sense of how they can move through some of these issues, how can we face this culture that doesn't want a dialogue. Mm-hmm. It wants to cancel your voice. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? And then we can talk about also, I think, how important it is that you acknowledge that I am salt and light in your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, on the way here, we were talking about that, weren't we? Honestly, uh, she really is. I mean, when you think about it, when I married this woman and I realized she started salting my life, I thought, I'm not sure if this is a good thing. Well, then I found out it does preserve, and I'm, I'm happy about that. But what did, I, I, okay, I have to admit this. You you do make life more tasty. Yes, I and, know. And that was a good thing because I was a meat and potatoes guy. I needed to learn some new things. <laughs> okay, now that we know. <laughs> now that you've acknowledged it. Actually, you, you bring a little pepper in there, That's too, right. to be honest with you. Throw so. the pepper in for excitement. <laughs> okay, listen, we want to talk about solutions to these things. I, I do. I think sometimes we do feel hopeless, right? I mean, we feel like we're being overwhelmed or we're getting hit with a tsunami of these things. Uh, I've been in D.C. and watched, watched people descend on individuals and, and just overpower yeah, them. That's right. And I thought, this isn't right. We shouldn't be doing these kinds of things. So how are we going to deal with this if people are saying, we don't dialogue anymore, we just cancel? That's right. You know, it's interesting because before you would at least not enter into certain uh, spaces, right? Mm -hmm. We see them going now into the churches and disrupting the services and attacking the children and yelling at the children. And those used to be off limits, right? Those kinds of things. Now you see people getting in people's faces, uh, screaming at them. well, not even letting people speak. So certain folks can't go speak at colleges now. We can't certain uh, right. You yeah, can't you can't speak at a college. Is, That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, and and it's amazing to me when I watch this and I hear people say, "Well, um, it's really not that big of a deal." I mean, that speaker was this or that speaker was that, and I said, mm-hmm. based on who decided that that speaker was that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this thing called the. All so- you have to say is I'm offended. Right. Anymore. Well, and there's this group called the Southern Poverty Law Center now that defines hate speech. And I'm saying, who made them the definer of hate speech? Because a lot of very positive Christian organizations are on their list. Mm-hmm. Where did they get that power? You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, the question today, though, or right now is, how do we respond to that power? Right, and it okay. is very painful because I have, like, so many parents calling me and saying that they've had their 
uh, children, their college-age children, asking them to join them in some of these protest marches. You know, here's the thing. Some of them, you know, it's, it's not wrong to protest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's our right to protest, and we are supposed to be standing up for injustices and things that are wrong. And But it comes down again to what does Scripture say? It's not just, are we offended? What is our opinion? What are our feelings about it? Yeah, in fact, I, I, I was asked to give a speech on civil disobedience at a university. That's right. And, uh, you know, remember I said, you know, I kept thinking, why do they want to just, it was almost like this compulsion, we want to be disobedient. Okay. And my Show first, us how we can yeah, be my disobedient. First, my first statement was, Christian disobedience is always obedience. That's right. So you're being obedient. You're, you're not just saying, I'm so ticked off about that, mm-hmm. that I'm going to go disobey. There's always the sense for a Christian, no, no, I have to obey, but a higher calling. That's right. And that so higher your behavior, calling, your, your, your words, right. everything, the way that you do it, who you align yourself with. Right. And I think that's, so there's a Bible verse, obviously, that we talk about this, where we talk about speaking the truth in love in Ephesians 4.15. And I think, here's where I want to go with this, and tell me what you think. Speaking the truth in love defines the, the the reason why we're speaking the truth, okay? Mm-hmm. Most people today focus on a verse like that and, and a discussion like we're having, and they say, what's it going to cost me? Mm-hmm. What's it going to cost me to speak the truth to this person or that person? Right. Well, like you just said, standing against this group. I want to turn that around a little bit and say, don't worry about the cost. I mean, you got to be, don't be foolish, right. but don't obsess about the cost because Christ is there with you and Christ already taken upon himself all the costs of being, you know, what he wants you to be for him. But think about the purpose. Mm-hmm. Why are you speaking the truth? And that's where that speak the truth and love comes in. Are you really trying to speak God's powerful word to this group of people that seems to have all the power over you? Mm-hmm. And are you doing it for them? Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're called to do as Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a psychological even power in that when you realize this is God's word, not my word, and this is for them, not for me. And I think, mm-hmm. doesn't that, don't you think that gives us a, a better sense of knowing how to stand there or be there? What do you think? Sure. I think it's, yes, absolutely it does. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I wanted to say before you started talking about this, there were a couple of people that even, you know, as pastors, you know, uh, which I'm not one. But I, when I speak to different pastors, and and some of them want to stand up and protest, and they mm-hmm. want to to be voices, and they want to, and but they're very cognizant of the fact that they are leaders of their church, right? Mm-hmm. There was one in particular, a bishop, a, a, a Episcopal preacher in New York City, and he began to align himself with some very notorious, long, you know, very well known. Uh, protesters. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with him and, and I said to him, and I'm not going to say his name, but I said, you know, what you're wanting to do is is very, it's it's good, you know, but the people that you're aligning yourself with, their, ta- their tactics, the things that they have done before are going to speak louder than the message you're trying to deliver. Right. And he hadn't really thought about that, came back to me later on and thanked me for it and said, you're the only person that ever said that to me. I- well, it's, again, because you've always had that ability. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be on. No, you've had the ability to speak very pointed truths to people, and they always seem to think you're doing it because you care about them. A lot of us get accused of speaking the truth as if we don't care. You seem to have that ability, and, well, and I know you, who but, you're talking about. And yes, and I he don't didn't want you to listen say to anybody. <laughs> he did listen to me. He listened to you. But but it, but it's true. So we may have like a right. really great message, but the way that we deliver it, and the people that are behind us or next to us, those are also speaking and. Communicating, and we have to be aware of that. Right. And I've lost several 
associates, I would say, uh, or fr- um, I thought were friends mm-hmm. because they didn't understand why I didn't back particular people. And I couldn't do it because the the message was not getting heard because of the tactics. Well, you know, when you're, when you're infringing upon other people's rights, when you are destroying other people's properties, there is nothing that you can... Well, you, God, there, yeah, that's not there, a No, there thing. is nothing that to, to justify that. Well, let me, and let me add to that, because and for those of you who are Christian uh, who are listening, and, and if you're not Christian, then hear this, because I think it's a real powerful thing. God works in the world two different ways. The, the, the one way is to preserve the world, and he does that through law and order and things like that. He's not saving the world through that. He's just keeping all hell from breaking loose, and mm-hmm. he does that even through non-Christians who raise families and good government and all that kind of stuff. But that's not his main work. Sometimes even Christians think that stuff of preserving the world and having good politics and all that is God's main work. No, his main work is saving the world uh, through the person and work of Jesus Christ and offering that by grace through faith to anybody. Mm-hmm. Those are two radically different works. Works, and sometimes we confuse them mm-hmm. to the peril of the gospel mm-hmm. and also to the destruction of the society. I mean, mm-hmm. our job is to is to be part of God's preserving work in society, salt. Mm-hmm. But then we got to <laughs> share clearly the difference between the light of the gospel, and we we're called to you know to actually be at work in both of those. Some arenas. people just want to do the latter, though. Well, that's what I'm saying, and I was just saying that a lot of people say to me, I don't want to get into politics, it's going to mess up the message of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I finally said, wait a minute, wait a minute, the first thing we're doing in politics now is defending our right to be a church. That's right. That's a, and that's to assemble yeah. and to sing and to sing and to yeah when, and to when, praise and you know that was a big issue with the COVID thing. You just reminded mm-hmm. me of that. Mm-hmm. Um, our biggest thing was, but that's how it starts, and we we think we're going to comply, right? Yeah, exactly. And we're going to comply, yeah, and we're going to go along with it. And before you know it, you it's gone. You, well, see, I love that's why I love no. when we spoke in Texas. Remember, we spoke in Texas, and they said, "Listen, if you convince us to give up our rights for a moment, and we actually." agree with you we might <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and then they put the bass on whereas the idea of just you know the, the, it was said from on high so you better do it mm-hmm. well once once sinful people have that power they never give that up mm-hmm. and we were fighting you know for those of you who are listening in on this with uh, religious liberty um, we were just fighting to say no the church is an essential voice in the culture mm-hmm. our, our founding fathers actually said that but we as Bible believers know that's true too and we weren't going to let anybody make us second-class citizens as a voice of the good news of the gospel. Well, that's the first chip in canceling us out, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, just like if you think about when we're talking about behavior and the and the new the new norms, you can't even have your pastor come in and pray for you or your priest give you your last rites in the hospital. Yeah, and I'd say I've been fighting that. Now, I, I will say this. Some of the pastors that I uh, spoke to on this, they were like, uh, uh, but what if I'm too scared to go in there? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they were struggling with that too. But of course. the reality was, do they have matter? the choice? Mm-hmm. Are they essential? And I remember we talked about this. The last yep. voice I want to hear on this earth is not some secular doctor saying, turn off the machine. Mm-hmm. I want to hear them say, no, 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 Jesus Christ has still a lot to say for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to and make sure we're you know with, that. And he's here with you right now. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. going to be his voice in your ear until that day comes. Mm-hmm. So again, you know. But that's the calling of a pastor. Well, so that's whether, calling of a, and that's the thing, well, whether they're afraid or not afraid, that's well, even, but their in, calling. I think even Christians have the right, if, I, if, if, if putting a mask on and putting some gloves on, you know, protects me and I feel like I'll, I can take the risk. Why can't I so be So here's what, one, one of the things I want to say. Anyway. Being courageous, mm-hmm. right, is, and doing the right thing despite the fact that they're afraid and, there's, right. and speaking in spite of the fact that we're uncomfortable or afraid, right, right. for the good of the other person. So speak the truth in love, which is for, for that person. them. 
Mm-hmm. And can you imagine, I was just using this example since we're talking about, uh, you know, in the hospital, maybe the last moment of someone's life. Can you imagine a doctor saying, why would a guy come in here and risk his life to say that to these folks? You know, that's those are the witnesses that we have, the opportunities that we have. So, okay, so this cancel culture, it's trying to cancel us out. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other ways we can talk about how to address this, how to how to be ready for this, how to uh, how do we get past this herd mentality or this tribal mentality that seems to be um, descending upon our culture? Well, once again, I do have to say I, I believe that having communication at home, I think a lot of this starts at home. Uh, parents need to step it up, mm-hmm. have these uncomfortable conversations with their children. And with, with their grandchildren. I mean, we have to have these conversations. We have to hear what, they, what they're being taught, hear what they're feeling, mm-hmm. because feelings are really important today. But then we also have to look and show them God's word so that it's not like they're countering and we're going back and forth on whose opinion is most important or who's more right. right. You connect them to scripture, and that's why it's so important that we have to be connected to it as well. But because the whole fabric is unraveling right now. Kids, once they get into preteen, puberty, mm-hmm. the most important people are their peers. It's right, no longer right, the parents. Right, right. They really want to have these peer relationships. One of the amazing things that did happen with COVID is now we were having to be sheltered back with our parents a lot, right? Right. <laughs> so, so that was an opportunity that I hope parents took advantage of, but many may not have. It's not too late to do that. And we're going to talk about, I think in our next program, we're going to talk about family and why it's so important in the right. culture today. But I love what you were just talking about there about speaking. Um, you know, if it says speak the truth, mm-hmm. it didn't say speak your feelings. No. And, and it doesn't but you mean can let them experience that you are listening to them right. and, and it, that you're hearing the, about their feelings because their feelings are important to them. So we can't dismiss that. And truth, it, you know, truth wells up in us in feelings and in emotions. So we're not dismissing those things, but we're giving priority again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the goal. The priority is whose truth. It's God's truth. There's bigger truths. Like C.S. Lewis said, we talked about that, that there's fundamental moral teachings in the mm-hmm. world, just like fundamental colors in the world. And aligning ourselves to those fundamental truths is a powerful thing and it's a blessing mm-hmm. it's it's better for culture and better for you as a person mm-hmm. um, but then speak that truth for whom again even there your emotions can get mm-hmm. in the way because your emotions are saying it's going to cost me something mm-hmm. and I think once we do have these conversations with our kids then they can take this conversation have it with their friends see that's the only way we're going to be able to to do this is we have to show them we have to model it we have to be willing to step out and out of our comfort zone and heaven forbid our kids get upset with us. Heaven forbid that our <laughs> friends get upset with us. But once we show them we've stepped out and done this for their sake, and because we respect them and we love them and we want a relationship with them too, right? That's exactly right. And that's why we're talking about these kinds of issues. It's through the fire. We're trying to bring God's word, God's perspective, and God's truth to these issues. Remember, there are two kinds of fire in the world. The one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till Til next time, time, I'm Marie. I'm Greg. See you, See you soon. soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media.